More Than Optics podcast with Jayshree and Babin. Hi, and thank you for joining us on this episode of More Than Optics. Jayshree and I are looking to showcase some of the amazing individuals that we have in the optic industry, and we're pursuing exciting interests, passions, and occupations outside the industry. We've got individuals who've explored so many exciting avenues outside of optics, and we can hope we can inspire you to move out of your comfort zone, to try something new, and to follow your dreams. So today I'm delighted to have Jamie Patel, who's an optometrist, but she's followed her talent and passion and creativity to make some amazing art. Welcome, Jamie, and thanks for joining us. Hello, <laughs> and thanks for having me. Lovely. Great great to meet you. I don't think we've had the pleasure of meeting, so lovely to meet you, Jamie. We're going to get straight off and, and, and kick off with, with, with our first question, and that is, what do you do? So you said you're an optometrist, but also your other, your other niche, as it were. How long have you been qualified as an optometrist, and where did you study? Okay, so if I start off with how long I've been an optometrist, so I have to work that out. Qualified at 22 and I'm 45, so 23 years. Right. What do I do other than optometry? I've got a couple of passions that I've kind of combined recently. Um, So I paint contemporary art and I also sell crystals and I've kind of combined the two recently into a um, small business. Art has been my passion for a number of years. I qualified at Aston. Ah, we've had lots of people from City and a couple of people from Umis, but our first one from Aston. Yeah, Aston. Good stuff, good stuff. (laughs) Okay, so tell us a little bit more about your business then, the the side hustle. The side hustle, well... (laughs) I've always done a bit of art on the side. When I say always, I couldn't even tell you when, but I would say about 12 to 14 years ago, I started doing some art. And it's quite a weird way I got into it because I never did art at school. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really something that I was into. But then me and a friend went to Brighton and he saw this piece of art that he wanted, but it was like four or five hundred pounds. And this was many years ago. So, you know, with inflation, that was quite an expensive piece of art. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what made me say it, but I looked at it and I said, oh, I could give that a go. I haven't got a clue why. I'd never really painted or picked up a paintbrush, but for some reason I felt I could do something similar or wanted to try And so I came home, went off to the shops, bought lots of equipment and gave it a go. And he obviously it wasn't the same, but it was inspired by this piece of art. Mm -hmm. And um, he really liked it. And I just gave it to him as a gift. And then from there, I'd really enjoyed it. And actually, my dad and my brother laughed at me because I sat in the front room doing this piece of art because they'd never seen me do anything like this. Mm. So they just were like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm painting anyway. But I carried on. And I really enjoyed it. So then I Christmas came up and I did some more paintings for people for gifts instead of just going out to the shops. Mm. And then it, and they also really liked them. And then it just kind of went from there. I really enjoyed it. And people seemed to like what I was creating. I got some commissions. It was always a very much a side hustle for numerous reasons. Recently, I haven't done a lot purely because of other reasons. And I picked it up the last couple of years. And during lockdown, I also found I was really passionate about crystals and I've kind of combined the two into my my little business called Crystal Artisan. Crystal Artisan? Yeah, Crystal Artisan. Okay. 
Okay. And and so do you have a website or do you have a So I have I do have a web presence. It's not my own website, but I've got a place where I can upload things. At the moment mm. it's just some crystal jewelry, but it, it's finding the time to sort of obviously take really good photos. And I'd actually say that's the most challenging part of this business is taking good photos. Things look very different when they're in front of me and then I take a photo and it's like, mm. yeah, <laughs> but I'm getting there. And then I have I do a lot via Instagram. So um, I post photos on Instagram, people make inquiries. And yeah, I really need to focus a bit more on the art side. It is trying to juggle all, all the different things that are going on and finding the time. But if I could make this work for me, it's for me, it's far more um, enjoyable than optics, unfortunately. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that, but it, it is for me, it doesn't feel like work, whereas optics feels like work. How interesting. That How is, interesting. That is fascinating, yeah. And, and I think often it's, you know, when we're doing something creative or using our minds in different ways, I think that that can be definitely more enjoyable. You feel yourself in your in your element, don't you? Yeah, Um. I don't know. I couldn't even explain to you the feeling it is if someone actually buys a piece of art that you've created, mm. because you've obviously conjured up whatever you've conjured up, or you obviously you get inspiration from things, but you've created something in your head. You've then found a way of creating it on a canvas or whatever you're painting on. And then someone's actually liked it enough to pay money and then put it in their house usually so, you know, it's going to be on show 24-7. So, it, yeah, or if someone commissions you to do something. It was a nice story, actually. This lady knocked on my dad, when I used to live with my dad, knocked on my dad's door. And he, she actually was like an 80-year-old, no, I think she was 79, because she knocked on the door and she said to my dad, oh, would you mind if I look around your house? I used to live here as a child. So she lived there sort of 70 odd years ago. And sort of she was on her own. So dad was like, yeah, okay. So dad let her in. Probably not the best thing to do. This was a few years ago, pre-COVID. Let her in. She had a look around the house and then she saw a piece of my art on the wall and she really liked it. And she asked who painted it. And to cut a long story short, she took my number and we didn't think we'd hear anything of it and then she commissioned me to do a piece of art for her and it was like what a random wow. thing to happen and then she invited us to her 80th birthday that's why I know she must have been 79 so she and she invited us around to her 80th birthday she had it on show at her birthday and it was just yeah very very random that's wow. a wonderful story that, that, that kind of serendipity and you know it's like the the the, the the cosmos moving towards you at the right time yeah because I mean it's also quite strange just to let someone into your house I think when I came here I was like dad you just let someone into the house because you shouldn't do that really should you <laughs> but um yeah it was all fine so yeah <laughs> yeah so so obviously the energy was good and that's why your, your your dad obviously felt that it was okay to do that so in terms of that side of things when you when you say somebody commissioned you to do something so how big are your art pieces are they small are they large they're quite are they, are they, right. no, I'd say they're quite big kind of more statementy generally so uh, there's no set size but I think hers would have probably been about a meter by a meter across it was a rectangular piece a meter across by maybe 
30, 40 centimetres down. Right. I mean, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, so it's a decent size. Yeah, I mean, I've done pieces, like my dad's got a few huge pieces in the house. Um, He doesn't really get a choice. It's a case of, oh, look, I've done this. Let's stick it up. (laughs) Um, I've, I've, yeah, but they're usually quite big. I quite like to paint quite big pieces. Yeah, so what fascinates me is how do you, as an artist, okay, how do you, gauge how big a piece it's going to be you know when people go I'm an artist sort of thing and you think yeah okay I'm an artist but then some people do very small neat you know tiny little things and other people will you know as an artist do you do you do you does the thing come in your head first and then you think okay this needs this sort of size of canvas or is it a case of saying okay this is the canvas size I think it depends really I mean I think I do both so sometimes I'll just literally grab a canvas and decide on some colors and start painting and then sometimes I'll pre-plan. I suppose for a commission, I'll usually pre-plan okay. because someone would say, well, I want it for this wall and or they'll actually tell me the size they want. My preference is not to do commissions because then it's not so much, you don't obviously, unless someone's very open-minded, you obviously they have, when you start putting lots and lots of, oh, I want this, I want that, then it's not really my art I'm kind of ah. for you and it's not the same whereas if someone was just to say look I like this piece you've done and this piece you've done so then tell me the style and give me a few colors then that's much easier gotcha but yeah so I because the bigger pieces are usually I do with acrylic but recently a few years ago I started doing some alcohol ink pieces and it's very different to acrylic and they're much smaller because it's much harder to work with that medium on a big so they're more like a4 a3 size right I actually did um an iris I don't know if you've ever seen it because um I don't know if it was actually because well, I had a little thing in one of the magazines, I think Optometry Today. Mm. Um, but there, I did an iris once out of alcohol ink and that came out really nicely. So, yeah, okay. and that was so I inspired. I was just going to say, is there anything I inspired? Is there any connection yeah. between that? Yeah. So the iris is I inspired. Yeah. Um, and actually, even I was surprised it came out really well. And then I showed my boss someone I locum for and he was like what you did that and I was like yes I did that because obviously he doesn't see me as an artist he sees me as an optician and yeah so um I would like to do more of these like like obviously very colorful irises that you would never see in because I think when you do slit lamp work I often I'll often be doing slit lamp work and Obviously, I'm still doing my work, but I'll think, oh, that would make quite a nice, you know, if you did this, this and this. And I've had a conversation with a colleague, actually, who said something similar, because I must have done a piece of art and shown him. And I think he said something like, oh, that looks a bit like what you see on the soot lamp. So I don't know if it was inspired by that, but yeah. Where do you normally get your inspiration from? Oh, all over. Um, well, it seems this does inspire me. Recently, I do look at a lot of irises and think they are like, especially when you see some, sometimes if there's more dif- more than one colour in an iris. Indian outfits, actually. I have done a few pieces based on Indian outfits because um, obviously they're very colourful and things, aren't they? And I flick through things like Instagram and see, I mean, sunsets. Yes, I'm very much into sunsets at the moment just all the amazing colours that you see in a sunset. So mm, lots mm. of different places. So what has been the biggest surprise in the lockdown for you then, Jamie? 
biggest surprise of lockdown was definitely actually starting obviously finding my passion for crystals and like kind of then realizing I wanted to combine the two I haven't successfully I would say at the moment combined the two they're still in fact the crystals have taken over a bit but yeah I mean I had a lot of time on my hands I'm sure all of us did mm. and it was nice to do something positive with it my mum loves crystals so I mean it's quite nice for her that when she does come round she always goes home with some goodies which is very nice um and yeah that for me it was it was nice that I managed to do something positive because I could I would always be able to say yeah lockdown was challenging but I managed to do this with my time. I mean, I've done a lot of sitting around too. You always think, oh, I'll use this time to get really fit and I'll do this and I'll do that. And you don't. But at least I can definitely say that I launched a business um, that's going reasonably well. So mm. and I enjoy doing, you know, I enjoy the, and that's the thing. Okay. So with the crystals, is it a case of you're choosing crystals? You're, what, what are you doing with the crystals? Tell us um, So that. I sourced them from abroad. Um, so from India, South Africa, um, Brazil, Uruguay, I'm trying to think of all the countries, some are from America. So, I mean, obviously I do a lot of research. I go for crystals that I like the look of and then, yeah, then I import them and I then try and sell them okay so of that how do you go about that if you think about it that's you know that's there's a bit of work involved there you've got oh. first of all moving things around in lockdown must have been interesting again anything from abroad <laughs> must have been interesting to you know get crystals across yeah i mean it is hard i thought it'd be easier i'm, I'm not gonna lie i kind of like saw a few other people doing it and thought yeah yeah this will you know won't. but it's harder than i thought i actually <laughs> had a business years ago i think 2007 mm-hmm. selling decorative bra straps i won't go into detail about that but so i had done a bit of importing before so i guess that had taught me a little bit that was a bit different though Um, because that was sending designs off getting samples but so I had a bit of experience anyway Mm. but actually the importing side is probably easier than you would think moving things around in lockdown hasn't been too bad because that has been the only way the world has functioned right online shopping and that kind of thing Mm. but yeah there's a lot more work than I think some people who sort of will see a crystal, let's say on sale, they'll think, you know, they kind of think, oh, they don't see all the kind of background work, even just the video calls that I'll go on with a supplier. Because obviously if I'm shopping in Uruguay or Brazil, I've got to see the things properly and that can take hours. It can, you know, back and forth on WhatsApp and things. Mm. But I mean, the best bit is when you get a delivery and you open it and you're really happy with it. It's like Christmas, honestly, like loads and loads of Christmases. So I had a delivery yesterday and I I actually get everything delivered to my dad's just because he's, it's just a bit easier than at my place. And there was one yesterday, it was only a small delivery and it was some lovely agate from India. Mm-hmm. And I actually quite like it doing stuff from India just because I feel like I'm supporting India a little bit and it was the stuff was beautiful and it is as you unwrap it it's like Christmas I love that part (laughs) yeah do do you think because of the pandemic people have connected more with art and crystals yeah for sure I, I think with the crystals for sure because obviously there's the element of crystal healing and I think 
yeah, I definitely think with the lockdown where people had a lot more time, you're kind of flicking through Instagram, Facebook and stuff more. So, yeah, I do feel that people connected more. And because they were looking for something to hang on mm. to, I guess, some hope mm. and that kind of thing. And with art, I think that people probably with their extra time, they've also, because I'm, I'm sure that Etsy had a lot more, I'm sure there's a lot in the news about how Etsy had a lot more people kind of, so I'm, I'm sure a lot of people had small side hustles and all of a sudden they could put the time into their side hustles. Mm. Whereas prior, life just takes over. And mm. yeah, so I think on that side of things, yeah, for sure, um, lockdown has helped in that sense. And so what's your preferred social media channel then? At the moment, it's Instagram, just because it has worked, I guess. I'm not overly tech savvy, as you have seen, but I'm quite happy to teach myself. I'll Google stuff and read and I'll work it out. I know I'll always work it out. I just might not do it very quickly. It just seems to have been the channel that's worked best for me. I have got a presence on Facebook, but I've never really had much comeback from that. Whereas Mm. from Instagram, I have. And Mm. also when I do a live sale, then I go live on Instagram. So maybe that's why I kind of get more through Instagram and people have found me more through Instagram. I mean, another thing, it's amazing, actually. I sometimes will put a crystal on my reels of Instagram. And I remember with one crystal, I was shocked. Within 10 seconds, I'd sold it. It was just, I mean, obviously, they hadn't paid at that point, but they'd like, yeah, I want that. So it, it was, and I'd had another, within a minute, another three messages. And it was just amazing that life is so quick. As I said, I'm not overly tech savvy and even most of the places I test still use manual records. And I just I find that kind of thing. I'm just like, that's just amazing. And also it was sold abroad. It was sold Mm. to someone in the Netherlands. So So for the people that aren't on Instagram, what's a reel? Oh, sorry. So a reel is a bit like so it's Instagram's really, I think, competition to TikTok. So you've got TikTok, obviously, and on TikTok, they encourage you to put on videos of things. And then Instagram are trying to compete with that and they have launched reels. And I think that's essentially what it is. So it's like a mini video, is it? Yeah. So I literally will put the crystal on, show all the sides of it with some music and I don't always actually put a price. It might just be like a preview to what's going to be in a live sale. But on this one, I had put a price and said, you know, and as I said, someone wanted it. And so, yeah. And a live sale, basically, is that like a live auction or what's that like? So I've done both, actually. So I haven't done a lot of live sales. I think I've only had three or four. But you go live on Instagram. You don't really see me. You just see my hands and the crystals, which are in front of the video. But I obviously talk and I will explain about the crystal and then I give I sort of turn the crystal around, show the price. And then if someone wants it, they will type in the comments, mine and the price and what have you. Now I have done an auction format as well, which was actually what I did back in May. And that was actually quite exciting because we had a few really specialist pieces and I was actually surprised at how much people were going over the asking price on them. Um, Mm. It was quite, um, it was quite tense. Um, I remember I wasn't actually very well that day. And yeah, I still enjoyed it because it was just so different. Well, quite exciting, I should think, really, because because mm. you can see the the exciting building. Yeah, it's um, and also there's this huge crystal community. I mean, someone who doesn't know about crystals, I don't think, would know 
but there's a huge community. I've met so many people. I haven't actually met them in person, obviously, because of COVID, but I've met them and spoken to them so regularly that I know when things open up properly, I will definitely meet up with them. There's at least, I would say, five to six people I will definitely meet up with at some point. How did you find out about the communities? Just through, so they're not communities as such. It's just where people really inquire about a crystal and then you'll speak to them and I guess you just somehow get involved in a conversation and then it just goes from there and then they'll maybe comment on another piece that you've posted and I don't know it just seems a very natural progression and especially when you have similar tastes Mm. Um, so if I'm sourcing crystals that they like they'll obviously look at the pieces that I'm displaying quite a lot and then obviously through the live sales as well there's a bit more communication through there and um yeah, I, I feel like I've made friends. Mm. Obviously, we'll see if that's just because of lockdown. Obviously, I'm not um, be naive to think that lockdown hasn't kind of created some of that. But um, I do think there's definitely a few people that I will keep in touch with and sort of see later on. I just want to wait for things to get a little bit more open because everything still mm. seems a bit, mm. Mm. bit on a yeah, a bit tentative at the moment. But mm. yeah, we'll see. So what does a typical week look like for you? We're talking about balancing things and doing, you know, different things at different times and sort of things. So what, what would a typical week look like for you in terms of the arts and the crystals and, and the locoming or the... Or the so at the moment, I'm not actually testing just because I had an operation recently, quite a mm-hmm. big one. So mm-hmm. I'm actually still in recovery technically. Okay. Um, luckily, it's gone very well and Good. I'm doing really well. So I haven't been... Because I had some other issues, I had to stop working back in April, Mm -hmm. just for a few months. So Mm -hmm. when I go, so I guess at the moment, my typical week is a lot of crystals mixed with a tiny bit of art. I suppose going back, it will be a bit different. But again, I'm going to go back slowly. I'm not going to go back full kind of, I've got to take my time just because of the health side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, on the days... On the days I'm testing, I would just concentrate on testing. Whereas I guess optics isn't my passion. I'm very dedicated. And so when I'm testing, it will be that's what I'm doing. I'm testing. Things need to, you know, need to kind of focus that day. So in my head, that day will be an optics day. Yeah. On the other days, I'll obviously juggle doing the stuff on Instagram, posting. Because you've got to pack it so when people do make a purchase it doesn't quite in there does it you've got to pack it and you've got to post it that's actually probably the worst part of it actually <laughs> the crystals it's all well and good talking about the good sides but the packing side mm. um, because they're delicate as well and I think I'm a little bit of a warrior so I'm probably double bubble wrap them and things like that but I'd rather do that than say sell something that's really expensive and then get broken mm. they are beautiful pieces so mm. but the moment I'm not juggling too much just because my because sure. of the recovery we shall see how it goes when I'm back at work in a few weeks we shall see we shall see it'll be interesting <laughs> so when you first got into optical what kind of drove you in optics in the first place so when I first again another funny story then the man that I looking for at the moment is the man who advised me to become an optician when I was aged 16 I think I mm. think he was on his year out so he's a family he's like He's like a cousin, really, but a very distant cousin, I guess. We used to travel to London. I used to work um, in my holidays in an office, and he was on his year out, his gap year. So, yeah, I think I was 16, he was 20, 
And because we lived on the same street, he used to give me a ride to the station and then we would walk to the station and get our train together. And I remember, I can still remember the conversation on the platform and we were talking, I needed to find something to do. And my mum had always wanted me to be a doctor. I had the grades to be a doctor, but I didn't want to be a doctor, but I did want to help people. So it was like, you know, I need to find something. And he said, well, have you ever thought of optometry? Because my friend, my friend's brother is an optician. And I was like, oh, okay. And it went from there. And there you go. I listened to what he said and became an optometrist and now I work for him. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lovely story, isn't it? Eh? That's come full circle, isn't it really? It has. It, yeah, it has very much so. So I've been working locuming for him now. On and off, actually, I've worked. So for a while he was a manager and I used to locum for him sometimes then. And But now he actually has his own practice. And in this practice, I think I've been working, must be, I don't know, six, seven years. I don't obviously locum there full time. I just mm. do days, but mm. yeah. So, Good but yeah, stuff. definitely full circle. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, some quick fire questions then, okay? Yeah. So uh, short answers for these, if you please. So how would your parents describe what you do for a living? Uh, I don't think they'd actually say, but I guess, yeah, they would probably say she's an optician. And what's the best compliment you've ever received? Oh, dear. What's the best compliment? I don't think people compliment me that much. Maybe the best compliment, actually, is something recently. My dad said that I'm someone who always gets up. And what he meant was that life will knock me down, but I'll always find a way of getting back up. Ah, lovely. That's great. And what's your favourite restaurant and favourite dish that you might order? Ping pong. And Mm -hmm. it would be some kind of dim sum. And also their lychee martinis are quite nice. Ah, lovely. (laughs) Lovely. That's good stuff. Okay. So actually, I was fascinated about your journey into optics. If if you could go back in time now and speak to yourself as as a, when you're about to make the decision, what would you say to yourself? Um, I think even though it's, I have found it very challenging along the way, just because I suppose my motivation was to go in to help people. And I don't feel most people see optometrists as someone who's a healthcare professional trying to help them. They see us as someone who's testing their eyes so they can get their glasses, which is not really what I want, was Mm. not my aim. I think I would still do it because I think, you know, it's brought me where I am now. And yes, it's been challenging, but I could have chosen something else. And it would have been possibly more challenging and it it has allowed me a lot of flexibility which Mm. I will always be grateful for Mm. because where Mm. I've located I've traveled a lot yeah so I would still do it even though it's not been my passion do you find those skills have helped you the skills that you've learned as an optometrist yes um definitely right now I feel with the crystal stuff I think the customer care side of things 100 percent so especially when say someone complains it doesn't happen often but it does it happens a lot more in optometry than it does in the crystals but i you know not to take it personally i mean i've had you know in optometry i've had some interesting complaints and i would say when i was younger i did used to take it personally and yeah. now i've realized actually it's just part and parcel of the job unfortunately yeah, and yeah. can't please everyone but it does it gives me a more mature outlook on how to deal with complaints Mm-hmm, definitely i think it's interesting what you say that that you you came into the profession with an aim to help people and yet the perception if you like the full perception is 
that you know we 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 are there to test the person's eyes and and deliver a prescription and a pair of glasses, mm. and uh, it's it's a massive topic if you think about it, and and it's a case of thinking who where do we go with that who not not who's to blame but where has that perception come from you know is it from ourselves the way we portray ourselves is it the way the system's been set up etc cetera, etc cetera. is it the advertising and what people believe you know the public message that goes out there and really where with post pandemic. How can we shift that? Because this surely is a time to try and shift that. Actually, we are healthcare professionals and we do care about the whole person, right? And actually have a, a holistic approach to eye care and actually say, okay, this is the whole person. Yes, it's the eyes. That's what we're specialists in. But actually, it's it's trying to think how we actually shift that. And is that a personal responsibility or is that a professional responsibility? Or is it something to do with the associations we're with or what? I think it's probably all of us, to be honest. I think a lot of optometrists probably undersell themselves in that they I think things have changed a bit in lockdown because Mm. it's given people the well because you spend a lot longer with the patients now because of all the extra protocol you've had to to make the business viable so you've had to kind of up the site test fee and things like that otherwise it wasn't going to make sense so I think obviously the business model has always been where the site test is done at a loss and you kind of make your money on the glasses but then it always makes it seem like glasses are just overly expensive and mm. that's where so when you've then had obviously the introduction of certain multiples I'm not going to mention names but where they're doing things slightly differently and things are much cheaper but they're working on a more bulk scenario mm. then people you know do compare a lot to that And I suppose that's something I think you just have to first of all say, well, I'm not going to be able to compete with that. And you're not unless you've got, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand. I don't even know the numbers, but unless you've got that many shops, you're not going to have the buying power. Mm. So You've got to find your niche and your unique selling point USP and go with that. So for me, actually, in optometry, a few years back, I did a lot of dry eye work and started doing dry eye clinics. I really enjoyed those, actually. Um, because I was helping people and people were we were charge we were I do charge when I say I it's not me personally but we do an hour's appointment and then a half hour follow-up a month later and for that it's 99 pounds which obviously compared to normal test fees is obviously a little bit more Hmm. then their products and things are on top but for that I used to provide a really personal service they'd get my personal email if they needed to contact me I would deal with anything they needed me to deal with and it was really nice seeing the journey as well because you'd see I saw some patients who I remember one a few patients who had nearly been at the point where they wanted to go and get their eyes checked at the hospital because they Mm. were so bad and we'd obviously help them and got them to a point where they were much more comfortable and you know improve their lives so I think for me that was more what I'd always wanted to do So that was quite nice. And I think maybe we, you know, I think a lot of optometrists actually now are doing the um, prescribing, aren't they? And things like that. Mm. But I I suppose, yeah, I think, I think we're our own worst enemies because I think we, most people need to accept that you're never going to compete with certain people Mm. and you've got to find your niche and, but it's hard if you are charging more, unfortunately, the commercial, in the commercial world, 
you've got to provide something that's a little bit different yeah. and I think most of us can because if we're in an independent we can provide um, better customer service mm. um, it's just finding those people who are willing to um, pay appreciate that yeah yeah no no and appreciate that and 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 look for that uh, that genre of person who who wants that really and really thinks that it's worth money that's the thing isn't it in terms of that side of things yeah but it, it also translates over so obviously you do get you know you you get patients who come in and go oh well that's much cheaper over there or oh you're charging this much for your site test but I can get it free over there mm. and you do wonder well if that's the case then I guess you go over there I mean no one's forcing you to yeah. come here yeah. but for example, if you have a site test with me, I will probably spend 30, maybe 40 minutes minimum with you. Whereas there, you're not going to get that. Mm. I'm mm. going to do every single test myself. Mm. There, you're not. I mean, it, it, you've got to compare like for like. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think you have to educate, you have to educate the, the patients as to, mm. to this is what, what the value are that, that, that you're getting. This is how it's going to benefit them. And I think that education can, yeah. can, needs to come from, from the individuals. One thing I think I find the hardest and something that maybe why I feel a lot more drawn to doing what I'm, you know, the more creative stuff and the stuff with the crystals. I've had more people say thank you to me in less than a year of doing the crystals than I ever have in 23 years of optometry. <laughs> How that, interesting. That's mm. a little, it's a little bit sad also. It's sad. I know wholeheartedly that anybody who walks into my room and sits in my test chair, I try my hardest to do the very best I can possibly do. Mm. I once have, I've had a few nice stories. One lady sent me 40 pound cash once in, in a card to say thank you because I think I, on my day off, had made a phone call to the hospital because I was like, why are you guys not seeing her? She needs to be seen. Mm -hmm. And she thought that was really nice because it was my day off. But to me, I was like, well, no, I want you seen because I don't want to have you in two weeks telling me you've lost, you know, your eyes got worse. Yeah, and things. Yeah. But it's weird that people, but whereas if I find someone a crystal that they like, they're so happy to say thank you. And where I had my operation, one of my customers sent me a get well soon card. A couple of them said, well, if you need help, come and stay with us. It's like, you know, when you compare the two and all I'm doing is buying a crystal, whereas when I'm testing their eyes, I'm doing so much more. So I think I find that side of things hard. I find the public aren't as, they're not as loyal and I don't think they actually sometimes appreciate what we do as much I'm not saying that every single person needs to say thank you and send you 40 pound in a card I'm not saying mm -hmm. that but I just think that it would be nice if they saw what we were doing especially when you are working so hard to help them yeah I think I think you're right I think that times have changed we have more time with our patients now we have a you know more time to to connect with them to actually you know understand what they want really because that's the other thing isn't it with crystals I think you're obviously in tune with that person okay and you've figured out what they want and you've ticked the boxes and and you've got them exactly what they wanted you know and that's why they're so grateful and they think oh god she's really gone for it this is something i really wanted and and, and, and you know you've got you've you've ticked it i mean you've got the box and you you you're, and you've taken time and energy to send it to them they open it up and they think great and i think that level of 
personalization, if you like, is what we're missing in optics. And and to a certain extent, we now have that luxury, if you like. Before we were tight, you had to get through to as many tests as you can, etc. Now we're in a situation where you can try and take that time with that person, really get into what that person's about in terms of what they want and what they do and and what have you, and really try and bespoke a service that's that's where they think actually, you know what? She was good. He was really good. I'm not going anywhere else. This is the person I want to stick with. And that's why I think the dry eye work I really enjoyed. Yeah. Because that yeah. was, it's not that easy to go in. No, no, absolutely get, You know, get it anywhere. And because I also see would see the change in the patient. Correct. And I, yeah, it's, it's really miserable having dry eyes. Oh, yeah. I know. I've got them myself yeah. um, on on and off. And no, it, it's it's making it's making a, an emotional connection, but making a, a massive effect. And you may think it's a small thing you've done, but actually, to that person, it means a massive amount. You know, yeah. it's a big it's a big lever, isn't it, to to, to keep you? You know, I've been with my, my dentist for 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 nigh on I think forty years, and I travelled to Manchester to go and see him. And people just go, "Are you mad? You know, what's all that about? You got the dentist in London?" I said, "Yeah, but he knows me. I know him." When I go and see him, he asks about my family, he asks about all the important things that people need to ask about. He does his work, he's efficient, he's, he fits me in and I'm happy and I go away. I'm not really bothered really about anything else. And that's that's the true sort of uh, measure of somebody. You know, do you trust them? Does it work for you? And do you like them as a person? I think that's the other thing as well. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, because I was thinking a similar thing about, because we were thinking about moving away and things and... I remember thinking, oh, I've only just sort of the last few years found a dentist that I'm really happy with. And because I had a dentist who told me I had a cracked tooth and then I actually wasn't sure. So I actually had it double checked and they said, no, it's not cracked. And, you know, so obviously this new dentist, I really, because it was compared to a 300 pound treatment to like 50 pounds, you kind of, you know, and so this dentist, I really trust because I know that they're not going to tell me something that so but yeah you just and I'm happy going there and yeah they are efficient and exact most of the stuff that you've said basically and it works (laughs) yeah yeah and it works and that's what I'm saying that's what we have to try and do with our our patients in my mind that's 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 the ultimate sort of thing if we can get that level of trust and you know connection then that sorts a lot of a lot of issues out well it's been absolutely fascinating fantastic yeah absolutely great Thank you for being so open. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the More Than Optics podcast. Make sure you're kept up to date with all our future episodes by following or subscribing to our channel. And don't forget to check us out on social media at More Than Optics. We'll see you next time.